Open your Bibles to the scripture that was read to us today and just keep it there as we uh, uh, will do our best to um, expound on that today. You might have been intrigued by the sermon title for today. This is our second sermon in this uh, series, Life in the Last Lane. And um, of course, you know that that is a pun a little bit from, uh, you know, life in the fast lane. But you might be intrigued with the sermon title for today, Between Good News and Good News. I'm not suggesting that there, there's more than one good news. There's only one good news. What I am trying to do with this title is to capture for you, for all of us, a new vantage point from which we can envision our life here and now in the last days of the last age. You'll remember from last, from, uh, from, uh, last Sabbath sermon that we, uh, we said that um, the New Testament scripture paints uh, this um, a picture of, of, of history as an unfolding thing from past to present to future and that the, uh, the world, the Christian worldview, the scripture's worldview is not a cyclical thing, that history um, is not something cyclical with no per- apparent purpose. It is actually a very pers- purposeful uh, thing that goes from past to present to future and that we are and we have, as a matter of fact, over the last 2,000 years entered our Earth's final age. And we entered that final age with the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When he lived his life, when he died on the cross for you and me, and when he was resurrected from the dead. What our basic attitude, what, what should be our ba- basic attitude then? Um, what our basic attitude ought to be in living in these last days. Between the times between the arrival of that good news and the um, coming back of that good news himself, Jesus Christ. We live between good news and good news. And so we want to know what this, is, this vantage point is by, by stepping back, scanning the horizon, as it were, and looking at this big picture. We can more than exist in this world. We can actually, by the grace of God, We can actually thrive in this world and fulfill our calling by the grace of God to fulfill our calling in our lives. The arrival of Jesus, as I have said, on earth some 2,000 years ago ushered in the start of the last age. No, the last age did not just start with the pandemic or a year before or even a decade before or even a century before. The beginning of that last age, that final stage of this earth's life, the final stage of this earth's history as we know it, was the arrival of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we who live in the last days of earth's history, we have a responsibility, a huge responsibility. According to scripture, we read, for example, Romans chapter 6 last week, if you remember. We have this great responsibility to practice resurrection, that is to say, to live resurrected kinds of, kind of life until the day when Jesus comes again. That is our purpose here on earth. And what this means primarily is that we need to be more than ever, 
We need more than ever to live our lives as if our entire life was a prayer. Prayer is the primary means by which we get into the house of God. Imagine yourself knocking at somebody's door. Hard to do that these days, you know, um, with COVID. Um, and you know, those of you that, have, that, that are here at Auburn, um, regulars here know that, you know, that I, I, I tried something, you know, uh, something new um, at the beginning of, the, of this pandemic, and that is I, I started baking bread. You know, that I, when I show up, or at least when I knock on you, uh, at your door, I have something to give you, and you would open the door for me. <laughs> um, um, and, and so I, I've started doing that, and I, and I realized that the easiest way even to do that now is just to give it to you here at church. Um, and if I haven't given you one, come up to me and say, hey, pastor, you haven't given me one yet. It's about time. Can I have one of that bread? And I still have a few uh, loaves um, for you. But if you can imagine prayer, prayer as knocking at somebody's front door, okay, uh, in order to get in. Of course, it's imagine prayer as an entrance into the house of God where God is. We knock at the front door. Anybody home? And the Lord opens the door and lets us in and sits with us and talks to us and instructs us as to how we live our lives between good news and good news. And really, it matters less how uh, to God how we get in just as long as we get in. Notice what I did not say, however, all right? I don't want to be misunderstood here. I did not say that prayer is the means by which God accepts us into his presence. Only that prayer is a divinely ordained means by which, by which we are catapulted into the very presence of God. It is our privilege as daughters and sons of God, of, of our Heavenly Father, to go to Him, however faulty and less, uh, less than perfect our attempts might be. Grace is extended to everyone who prays. However that prayer is, or whatever that prayer is like, the worst pray, prayer and the worst prayee is heard by the gracious God. What is the best vantage point from which we are to look at our life in these last days, from which we can envision our lives here and now, and, 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 and what that ought to be like? It is to envision our lives, it is, it is no more than to envision our lives as prayer itself. And here, the best way to envision our prayer uh, is, is to, to see our prayers, our check-ins, as check-ins with our Heavenly Father for the purpose, for the purpose of, of becoming aligned with Him on a daily basis in real time. Becoming aligned with Him in real time with the new reality that now exists on the ground. The reality that we exist between good news and good news. We are flanked by this, this, this good news, the, the arrival of God's kingdom, the inauguration of God's kingdom when Jesus Christ came the first time and the complete ushering in of that kingdom when he comes again. We live bookended by two good news. So let me explain what I mean when I say that there's a new reality on the ground. You know, as, a, as an immigrant 
American, I have lived through two revolutions in my life. And when I say revolution, I mean real life revolution, like when your society turns upside down. This was my former life before I got to this country. Some of you may have lived through more than one revolutions in your life. I've lived through two. I was born in, in another part of the world, across the Pacific. I was born shortly before martial law was, in, was, uh, um, uh, was, was slapped on the country. Martial law was a cataclysmic event in the history of my people over there back in the, in the old country, the Philippines, back then. And it was kind of a... a uh, it was kind of a, a news, it was that kind of news that reverberated across the nation, that nation, and across the world. Um, it was touted as good news. And I lived through that as a little child, the curfews. I remember the curfews. I remember traveling from Manila to the province, and when once, you know, the certain time comes, and I believe the curfew was midnight, everything stopped including all, the, um, all the, uh, the buses that were traveling at night. And in, in, in that part of the world, it was best to travel at night because there's no traffic and the bus can just zoom across from Manila up north where we, ha- where we lived, up in the, uh, uh, the hinterlands of the northern part, of the northern island of Luzon when I was a little kid. And I remember those curfews. And to me, it was just one, you know, it's just, you know, hours of just boring hours where, you know, you try to sleep because it's midnight, but you're in this car, cramp, I mean, in this bus, you're cramped in that bus, and you, it's hard to sleep, and you, there's nothing to do. And, and as soon as 6 o'clock in the morning comes, the bus, speeds, uh, the, bus, the bus starts again, and then you go on your way. It was the kind of news that, that, that changed. It was the kind of good news that changed the life of that nation for quite some time. And it was really touted as good news. I lived through that. Not just the curfews, but I lived through a lot of other things. And I lived through the revolutionary new society movement. That's what it was called. That's what it was being marketed by the government of the day. It was a new society. A massive attempt to transform the entire Philippine society from the top down. And the leader of the day was touting that revolution as a revolution from the top in order, to form- in order to prevent another revolution that was happening at that time. And it was a communist revolution. It was a revolution from below. Um, and I actually read, actually, I was so fascinated with the, uh, and this is later on in, in college when I saw the book that was written by the president of the day um, <clears throat> giving the moral and the philosophical underpinnings of this revolution. And I was so fascinate, fascinated by it. I was already at that time uh, um, in, in college. As a matter of fact, I just graduated from college and I was reading this. I was going through seminary. And I saw this book and somebody gave it to me. And it was like... Uh, late at night, and I saw this book, and I couldn't put it down, and so I just read this book until three hours, I mean, three o'clock in the morning, and I finished it, and I finally understood, I finally understood what was the, the you know, the, the philosophical underpinnings of this president and why he slapped martial law in the, on the entire country. I read it uh, at the top floor of where I was staying, uh, the apartment where I was staying at that time, and it was fascinating read. I couldn't put it down. I mean, you know, um, binged read it <laughs> is probably what it was because it, it took me until 3 o'clock in the morning to finish. And I lived, I lived through the glory days of that revolution. I watched 
how you know we were you know the 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 re um, what's the word I'm looking for here the um, how the government sought to change everything, make everything better. We even had marches and we sung to the tune of certain t- songs. You know, there's a new society, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And I, if I were to sing it to you in the old, in the old um, um, language, you wouldn't understand a word, except for you, those of you that uh, understand it. But I lived through the glory days. But I also watched as this revolution started to crumble and fall. This, and I lived through the dying, the death of one revolution and the birth of another one. This one was another revolution. It was called the Yellow Revolution. Revolution, the Edsa Revolution is what they call it back there in the Philippines. And this time, this revolution came from the people from below. And I watched one revolution get toppled toppled by another revolution. And how one good news becomes bad news. And and it's replaced by a new good news. And how it was replaced. And and the, um, and, and the, the upheavals of society as a result of that process. And depending on who you talk to back in the old country, um, that revolution that toppled another revolution is also, you know, is also a, um, um, is becoming more and more bad news. In other words, it's also failed. My purpose here, of course, you're probably wondering if I'm being political and you don't understand a single thing of what I'm, happening, what I'm saying because it happened so far away. But my purpose here is not to be political, to scratch old scars perhaps and and make it raw again, but to highlight the role of prayer in aligning or realigning ourselves with the new reality on the ground. Let me me explain this further. I remember as a child living through this new reality on the ground, I remember seeing those songs and, and so on, and, and I remember um, people great and small, young and old, were constantly being reminded to realign themselves to this new reality on the ground um, and, and, and to, to live up to those new values that the government is selling the entire people. New ways of doing things, new ways of seeing things, and daily at school, students were reminded to check in check in to this new reality, to make sure that we become who our leaders want us to be from the inside out. And the revolution that was launched shortly after the imposition of martial law, that was the beginning of the first good news, as the narrative goes. Now the revolution was in full swing. The whole country was making a comeback economically. The people were slowly changing their lives and realigning their lives to this new reality on the ground. Um, and, then, and then this mighty revolution launched after martial law will, uh, you know, will be followed, the government says, with more good news in the future. And the consummation of every Filipino's hopes and dreams, the arrival of the new age, of a new age of prosperity and peace. Well, that never happened. It failed. And it failed for many reasons. It failed because of corruption. It it failed because of sabotage. It failed for many different reasons. I wish it didn't. 
but it did. Now, I think you see, you, you see where I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with this. This kind of thing is what inspired the New Testament thinkers and writers, Paul and others, and even Jesus Christ himself, um, to, um, to call the Father's, or the good news, the arrival of Jesus Christ, as the Father's own revolution, as the Father's own good news, the one good news that's here to stay. This is where we get the idea of good news. It, is, it comes from a Roman understanding of revolution. A new king, good news, the pivotal event in this world history has just happened. Augustus, Augustus has just won a great battle. Augustus is now emperor of the world, father of us all. He has defeated all his enemies. He has started a new society. And this good news is soon to be followed by more good news. He will soon return to Rome to take his throne. Right now, he is in a mop-up operation there in Egypt. But soon, he will return to claim his rightful throne. Does that sound familiar to you? Because the words that, um, you know, the, the words that we see and we read about in the New Testament sounds a bit like that. It is because that's where they got it from. The idea where they got it from, but they applied it not to, not to uh, the Roman king, the Roman emperor, but the, the New Testament believers, um, Paul and all of them, they applied it to the death, the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're saying, no, you're mistaken, you're mistaken. The new reality on the ground is not because Augustus Caesar has just claimed the kingship of the entire Roman Empire and beyond. That's not the true pivot of history. The true pivot of history is Jesus Christ dying on the cross and him living again after the third day. That is what makes this world a different place. That is what is good news. But Paul, the Paul and the, Paul and the early Christians borrowing the same language started announcing it. Good news, there is a new king. And, and can you imagine when, when they started saying that? Good news, you know. Evangelism. You know, they must, have, they must have turned heads. Wait, 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 wait. Another good news? You mean that it's another Caesar on the throne? Was there another revolution I didn't hear about? And as soon as they started saying that, uh, I mean, started preaching good news, and then the next words out of her mouth was, Jesus Christ is king. Like, oh my goodness, you know, yeah, right. But Paul and the early Christians, borrowing this, the Roman language of good news, started announcing that there is a new king, but it's not Caesar. It's Jesus Christ. He is what makes this world brand new. And guess what? He's conducting mop-up operations to make sure that everything in God's creation in this earth will become subject to the lordship of God. In the meantime, we want all of you to realign yourselves to this new reality on the ground. That's where you and I come in. That's our role between good news and good news. 
There's a new king. He has won a great victory. Evil people crucified him, but God our Father raised him from the dead. He is alive. We have all seen him. He has gone to heaven to defeat all his enemies, but soon there will be another good news. But when he defeats his last enemy, death itself, he will come again. Now he calls all of us, all of you, to repent and realign your lives to this new reality on the ground. That's what the gospel basically is all about. It's not just about you giving your life to Jesus Christ, even though that is part of it. It's part of this larger drama that is being played out before our eyes, which is about to come to its final end. Because if, if the final age of this world's history started back then, it's bound to end sooner or later, right? And we are closer to it than we realize. This last age will come to an end. It will not always be here. This is the essence of the event of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. He came not primarily to start a new religion, a better philosophical construct, so, he would, so, so we could all experience a better life or spiritual life, so we can all, you know, ameliorate um, so, so, you know, uh, uh, our, our experiences uh, during COVID. Sure, the good news contains all these things, but, it is the most basic, but in its most basic sense, the good news is simply that. It's good news because there is a new reality. The announcement that the Father has started his own revolution in Jesus Christ, and he's about to end that very soon. He launched his revolution at his death and resurrection. He's about to end it when he comes again. That is the new reality on the ground. And we're being asked to realign ourselves to that reality. And that's where prayer comes in. So that when we see or when we read... Jesus Christ announcing his own um, arrival and what that means. Rereading what uh, Luke uh, 4.18 says. We can begin to understand that Jesus Christ was not just announcing that he's now about to heal the sick and this and that. You know, he's, he's basically saying that when I heal the sick, when I raise people from the dead, when I do all these miraculous things, what I'm telling you is that I am dethroning Every single king there is in this world. I am dethroning them. They will listen to me because I am the only king. I am your only king. And so when he starts, when, when de demons start to flee from him, what he's communicating is that there is a new king that sits on the throne of the universe, of this world. So when Jesus Christ says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release, listen to that, release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free. What he's saying is, there is a new king and you must realign yourselves to this new reality. 
And in Matthew 24, verse 14, and this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world. There's your, uh, your, your, um, your um, you know, our purpose here on earth, partly. Proclaim throughout the world as a testimony, as a testimony to all the nations. And then, he says, the end will come. This new reality brings new challenges to us who believe. For now we become the showpieces, the showpieces of this new reality, practicing resurrected lives before we are actually resurrected if we die at the last, time, last days, in the last days of the coming of Jesus Christ. And you know what's even more important about this is that prayer then is the primary means in which we stay in tune with God along with scripture reading and other things, to find out what he's doing and what he wants us to do with him. Prayer is our, ch- our check-ins with God daily to find out how we can align and realign ourselves to the reality that now exists on the ground. Prayer, you see, is not just bringing God to the center of our lives. Prayer, so, so, so we can achieve peace of mind and all that, so we can be protected from the elements and all that, even if it, it does include that. Prayer is bringing ourselves to the center of God's life so we can realign ourselves so that life in the last day, in the last lane, can become truly meaningful to the glory of God. And how does that work in real, in, in, in real time? I mean, in real experience. Well, the Lord's Prayer, perhaps, is probably the best, our best guide, our rule of life for end-time living. You really don't need much else, really. The Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we find how God wishes for us to check in with Him every moment of each day and to stay in tune with Him every moment of each day. It is not just a model prayer of what we need to all include in our prayers. It is our guiding light as to how we ought to live connected daily and every moment to Jesus Christ. So just for a, few, uh, for a couple minutes here and then I will end. Let me, let's just go there for just a few minutes. Um, not too long ago, I preached a series just on the Lord's Prayer and how this kind of fleshing out how the Lord's Prayer becomes a rule of life in the last lane. Um, but I, we don't have the time to, to do that today. And so I'm just basically going to just uh, go through it a very, in a cursory way. So go back to Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 6, uh, where we find uh, the Lord's Prayer there. So... Uh, Starting with verse 9, and we're, we're going to go to a verse, um, a verse th- uh, 13. So what we find here is that um, you know, our, daily, our check-ins with, the, with, 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 with God in prayer needs to happen in this way. It needs, and, and here's how I do it, okay? Here's how I do it. As, 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 uh, and you can do it you know, however you want, using your own style and everything. I get up in the morning. And before I even, well, actually, I wake up in the morning and before I get up, I would race through the Lord's Prayer, top to bottom, as my way of checking in with God. So what I do is this. So I, 
All right, so starting with verse 1, I check in and say, Our Father in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name. And so I, all of a sudden, I mean, uh, the first thing I do is, Lord, what is, the, what is the thing that you want me to do today so that your name can be, can be made holy through me? So I, I made it, I scan, I scan the, the Lord's Prayer very quickly. It doesn't take more than maybe two, three minutes, maybe five minutes. I'm, I'm still in bed. And I just, I go down this prayer. So Lord, um, so the first thing is I say, Lord, um, so you want your name to be hallowed. How can that, how, how, can, how can that happen today with me? Your kingdom come, your will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. How can that be? How can, how can, how can you make me be that person that, does, that, that can you know, do these things for you? And then um, I move from there to the, you know, give us our daily bread. And you know, rather than asking for a lot of things, really, uh, that prayer is not about asking for all sorts of things and make sure that your, um, your, uh, your, your list is, um, um, is complete. Otherwise, if you miss something, you don't want to miss out on you know, all the things you ask God for. That's not what that is primarily. It includes that, but it's not that primarily, you see. What it is is, it's asking you to ask him how you can keep his kingdom party going for the next day. I said, Lord, rather than asking, Lord, please give me this, please, I need this, I need that. You're saying, you're asking the Lord, uh, you know, I would ask the Lord, Lord, what supply do I need from you today for me to be able to keep your kingdom party going? For me to, be, to partner with you Today, what do I need from you today? Help me to understand. Give me this bread. And in fact, if you go back in the, you know, in, in the original, this actually says, you know, knowing how in the old days, uh, in, in, the, in the Hebrew mind, that their day starts in the evening. Can you imagine the power of this prayer said that the, in the evening before you end your day? In the old Hebrew mindset, the day starts at even, eventide. And you would be saying to the Lord, give me tonight the things that I would need to be your witness tomorrow. That's what you're asking him primarily. And then you go down the next, uh, the next line. It says, and forgive us our debts as we also, will also have forgiven our debtors. You're not just asking to be forgiven. You're asking him how you can be the person that forgives others. How am I going to be that person, Lord? To forgive others, and you know, whenever I, you know, whenever I reach this, this line in the Lord's Prayer, I always think, I always think of the, the one most poignant, most, most poignant uh, um, illustration that, that Jesus uh, uses in, 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 in the Gospels about forgiveness. And it is, and, and, and what is it? It is the, the, um, uh, the image of a running father, a father that's running to his son in order to forgive his son. And so I'm always asking the Lord, what is it that I need to do today in my relationships where I can run to the person and show a forgiving spirit to that person? And I'm asking the Lord to help me clear my mind at the, end of my, at the, the beginning of my day. And this happens very quickly, very quickly. And then I get going with my day and start my you know, devotion sometimes, you know, have before breakfast, sometimes 
after breakfast. And then during the day, I keep checking in, checking in to see, Lord, how am I doing? How am I doing? And then at the end of the day, I check in again and say, Lord, how did we do today? How did you and me do today? Can I do better tomorrow, Lord? Did I do wrong by you, by you Lord? Forgive me. Let's start again tomorrow. Be with me. And that is how we make the Lord's Prayer the, our guide for end time living. It is our calling to identify with the suffering of the whole creation and to become the purveyors of the grace of God. To make sure that this new reality on the ground that exists can exist somewhere else as well or can exist in our neck of the woods where God puts us. So that we ourselves will become good news to people around us between good news and good news. Let us pray. Father God, yes, we are living in the last of the last stage. But we have nothing to fear because everything that we need is, provi is provided for us. And we may live in full conformity to your will daily by your grace. Give us the strength, the courage. Remind us to check in with you so that we may align and realign ourselves daily to the new reality on the ground that Jesus is king and that one king rules and that he's coming again soon to completely usher in and consummate his kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.